welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Sarah. And I'm Brie. And with us today, we have the amazing Terry Wilson. Yay! Thank you for joining us today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So we're going to start off with some icebreaker get to know you questions. So from your website, we know you love Audrey Hepburn films. Which of her films is your favorite? Um, I always say it's a tie between Breakfast at Tiffany's and Roman Holiday. Mm -hmm. I just love both of those. I mean, obviously, Breakfast at Tiffany's is so stylish mm -hmm. and um, Holly Golightly is such a complicated but endearing heroine. And I just love her. But Roman Holiday was the first Audrey Hepburn movie that I saw. And it's, you know, that whole royal in disguise uh, trope that I love so much. So, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's always my favorite, too. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Um, what is the color of your favorite dress? So is this a specific dress that I own? Or, or just like what, what, what do you love wearing? What's your favorite? Yeah. You know? Oh, okay. Well, pink is my favorite color. And so I always gravitate toward that, <laughs> but I am, um, you know, every now and then I judge, uh, beauty pageants slash scholarship competitions, whatever mm -hmm. anyone wants to call them. And I am judging um, one of the Miss America state pageants in just a couple weeks. Oh, I'm, not, oh my I'm, not, gosh. I'm not sure I'm allowed to say which one it is. So I'm not going yeah. to, but it's one of the big state pageants and I'm flying to another state to mm -hmm. do it. So it's not Texas. But I have this beautiful, like, Tiffany blue ball gown that I'm going to wear on the last night of the pageant, and I cannot wait. It's my favorite dress oh, I've ever owned. I'm so oh, excited. Oh, love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. um, what's one of the best trips you've ever taken? Um, well, I've been lucky enough to go to a lot of places. I love to travel, and London and Paris are my mm. favorite cities. London's probably my favorite. But I think my favorite trip that I've ever taken was a family vacation where we went to Japan. Uh, to Japan. Because um, my son, Cameron, lives in Korea. He's an English teacher there. And the first year he was living abroad in Korea, my husband and I went to Japan and met him and his girlfriend in Tokyo. And we were in Tokyo for four or five days. And then we rode the train to Kyoto and were there for several days. And they had a freak snowstorm. It, oh, wow. it, like a big snowstorm, <laughs> like overnight. We woke mm -hmm. up and all of Kyoto was covered in snow. And that's a really beautiful, like old world city and has so many like really cool temples and, you know, really neat architecture. So we just explored the whole city that day, walking around in the snow and taking pictures oh, and wow. drinking hot chocolate. And I don't know, <laughs> it was just such a great trip because like I said, it, me and my son had been living abroad for the first year. So it was mm -hmm. so fun to see him and, mm -hmm. and get together and explore that city together. Oh. I'm really, you know, I can't wait for travel to become a thing again because he's in Korea and I haven't gotten to see him mm -hmm. for a while. Yeah. So um, really looking forward to him getting to come home or us getting to go visit him over there. Hmm. So can you share with us how you became a romance reader? And do you remember any of your favorite authors or any titles from when you picked it up that you loved? Um, I always say that I think I first became a romance reader reading Daniel Steele in college, like old vintage Daniel Steele. And I know that sometimes she's technically not, um, you know, not a typical, it's not, she, some people don't consider her a romance author. I do. Um, but yes, she was my original first. And I remember the books, The Ring and The Promise and just some of her older vintage 
um, novels. And I discovered her because I'm really close to my grandmother, who I just visited last week. She just turned 93. She lives in Houston. Yeah. And, um, but she was a big Daniel Steele reader back in the day. And she always would buy the brand new Daniel Steele in hardback. And she had a special bookshelf that she kept them on. And when I would come home from college on the weekends, she would let me check out like the latest <laughs> one, like I was checking it out of the library. You know, I could only, I could borrow one at a time, you mm-hmm. know, and I always had to bring it back before I could get another one. And so she was like my own personal Daniel Steele library. <laughs> so I think that's, that was my introduction to the genre. <clears throat> And then I think I started reading like the old school Harlequins, mm-hmm. the ones that would now be like Harlequin presents mm-hmm. um, with the high glamour, you know, in foreign countries with the royalty and they're super dramatic, yep. you know, and I think I don't remember the first one I read what it was called, but I do remember it was somewhere tropical. And I just thought it was the coolest thing I had ever read. I was like, oh, does he hate her? Does he love her? You know. <laughs> <laughs> As like a 12-year-old, which I probably shouldn't have been reading it. I thought that was like the coolest thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) That is so interesting, especially about Daniel still, Mm -hmm. because I see a lot of like readers now that are like, I want to read Danielle Steele, but I have no idea where to start. And then like the question of, is she romance? I feel like she writes a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, like, I know I've almost picked up a book by her. I think it's called The Spy or something. And I'm like, is this historical fiction? Like, she just seems like she writes everything. She does, which I really admire because I feel like she can write anything. And, you know, I haven't read her. I had not read her in years. I mean, because I was a big Danielle Steele reader, like I said, when I was in college and my first mm-hmm. few years out of college. Um, but, you know, randomly, like I in the pandemic, I just picked up one of her books. I think I was at Target, like right at the beginning of um, the pandemic, right before lockdown and everything. And there was a Danielle Steele book there. And um, it was a paperback reissue. I can't, the the title of it is slipping my mind right now. Um, But it was set in Paris. And like I said, Paris is one of my favorite cities. So I just picked it up. I was like, I haven't read Danielle Steele in so long. And, you know, I just flew through it and she kind of became my comfort read, you know, during the wow. pandemic. Mm-hmm. I just started reading Danielle Steele again. I've read all her brand new ones. Um, there's one called Royal that's brand new, which is great. I just loved it. So, yeah, I just started reading her again recently and it was kind of like a nostalgic, you know, nice. comfort type read. And so mm-hmm. I've just recently gotten back into her. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if y'all know much about her personally. You might since you guys are into romance, you know, mm-hmm. podcasting and everything. But have y'all seen her desk, like a picture of her desk in any of the interviews about her? Oh my gosh. She has this custom built desk that looks like three gigantic hardback Daniel Steele novels piled on top of each other. (laughs) Yes. It's amazing. You have to Google it because it's so cool. And that's the desk where she works. And so, you know, I, since I got back into her, I I started subscribing to her newsletter this year And, um, you know, she spent lockdown in Paris and she was sharing all these pictures of her Paris apartment. I mean, she's like a Daniel Steele heroine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So the heroine out of her own life. I know. It's amazing. Her best life. (laughs) Yes. So she, she's my lockdown goals person. Right. I really become interested in following her this year and it's been really cool to rediscover her, but you need to look up her desk because it's, I need to look up her desk. Yeah. 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 We'll do that. I hauled. I think it's more of like a women's fiction, maybe. It's called like Lost and Found Things or something. I think it came out maybe a year or two ago. And I'm really excited mm-hmm. to read it. I'm just like, 
I've never read Danielle Steele, so I feel like I need to be in the right mood to read it. Because I think it's like a woman who reconnects with like three past like loves of her life. And I'm like, oh, this sounds like it's going to be so great. But I've never read Danielle Steele, so I'm kind of nervous. <laughs> Take the plunge. So has writing always been a passion of yours? And when did you realize you wanted to write romance of your own? Um, I've always been a big book lover because I was an only child, you know, when I grew up. So I spent a lot of time reading when I was a kid, mostly like Laura Ingalls Wilder and Nancy Drew and Trixie Belden. And um, so I've always been a big book lover, like even as an adult, like I said, in college, I was devouring Daniel Steele and I've always just been a big reader. Um, and yes, I had always wanted to try and write something. Um, when I first started writing though, I mean, I wrote things back in high school. I think the first thing I ever wrote, this always cracks people up, was a horror short story. <laughs> I was going through like a Stephen King phase, <laughs> which is so crazy. Cause I mean, that's just so anti my personality, but in high school, I did go through a Stephen King reading binge. So my first short story that I ever wrote was called The Balloon. And it was about a little boy who gets a red balloon at the zoo. And then the balloon turns evil and tries to kill him. <laughs> I'm feeling like some Pennywise. I know. <laughs> right. So um, it was published in my high school literary magazine. So that was like my first oh, like published piece of fiction. But um, then as an adult... When I started writing, the first thing I ever wrote was a Bible study guide for what the Bible says about animals. And okay. I was trying to find one of those, actually, for a Bible study that I was in at church, and I couldn't. And my son, Cameron, who was in middle school at the time, he was the one who said, well, Mom, you should write it yourself. And so I did. I mean, I did some research. I started writing it. I mean, I only took a few months. And then I thought, well, what am I going to do with this? And so I started sending it out to some small um, publishers that published books on pet grief. And the first one I contacted published it. So it was just kind of wow. crazy. And then, and then I was kind of hooked. I thought, well, now, you know, I really want to write some fiction because that's mm -hmm. what I really liked to read. But I thought I the first thing that I would publish would be like an animal story. Like I was thinking something like Black Beauty, mm -hmm. you know, something in that vein. And so the first book I tried to write was a young adult book about a horse. It was called Chasing Barbaro. Um, so anyway, at the time when I was trying to teach myself to write fiction, I joined an online writing group and I was writing a bunch of short stories and they all featured animals. And the American Kennel Club that do the, the dog registration, mm -hmm. you know, the purebred dogs, they do all the dog shows and that kind of thing. They used to have a magazine. I don't know if they still have it called Family Dog. And Family Dog, once a year, had a writing competition. It was a short story competition. And the only rule was that, you know, it had a word count. I forget what it was. And that it had to feature a dog, you know, in, mm -hmm. in the story. And so I wrote a story to enter that competition. And I sent, you know, I sent my story in. It had an English Cocker Spaniel in it. And um, a few months went by. And one day I just got a call from the editor. And she called to tell me that I had won third place in the competition. Mm -hmm. So the top three all won cash prizes, which in retrospect, now that I'm in publishing, were pretty generous. Cash <laughs> <prizes>. <laughs> I, should have, I should have appreciated that more. Um, all the, the top three all won cash prizes and got published in the magazine. So the editor calls me to tell me that I won third place 
And she said, I just really couldn't wait to get you on the phone because I wanted to tell you two things. I said, okay. And the first thing was that she hated the title of my story, like really bad. She oh, gosh. thought it was terrible. <laughs> I was like, okay. I was like scared to hear the second thing. And the second thing she said was, I really wanted to talk to you and ask you if you realize that you are writing romance. You are a romance writer. Oh, wow. And I was like, really? You know, because I, I, I would, like I said, I was just writing a story, a cute story about a dog. She mm -hmm. said, the dogs are falling in love. The people are falling in love. You are a romance writer. You know, this is what you're meant to write. And I mean, I really thought about it after that. And the next day I started writing my first um, romance, which was the Chasing Barbara story, which never got published and never will. <laughs> but I mean, I learned a lot from writing that story. Mm -hmm. But um, but that's that's how I kind of realized that that's what I was supposed to be doing, because I thought about what she was saying. And she was right. I mean, I was writing romance and romantic comedy and I hadn't realized it. You know, I thought I was writing one thing when I was writing another. So that's kind of how I found my place. Oh, that's wow. Mm -hmm. Well, shout out to that lady. Right. <laughs> I know. I wish I remembered her name. I would like get back in touch with her and say, look at me now. So we've seen that on thanks to fantastic fiction that you've had titles releasing since like 2008 with do you hear what i hear which was published by the wild rose press and then you published a few titles under white rose publishing what was the journey into getting so by this point you're writing romance you found your place how did you get published how did you get in with these two publishers because it seemed like it was pretty back to back too. like we were chatting before we started recording like I was just like we were looking we were like researching you yesterday like on fantastic fiction and fiction db and we're like she is a hustler mm -hmm. like has there been a year where she hasn't put out yeah. something <laughs> since she started writing so like how did that happen um yeah, you sent over your list of questions and I saw this on here and I was like, man, they did some digging. That was a long time ago. <laughs> that was not a very popular book. So, um, yeah, I, first of all, to answer your question, I don't think there is a year that I haven't had anything out. There was one space of time where I had like 11 or 12 months between books and I do remember freaking out. I was like, this seems so long. Did anyone know who I was? Which is ridiculous. But um I just really, I love to write. And like I said, I love to write. I love to write books. I always have ideas. So I'm always really excited to work, you know, on the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So I'm always working on usually two or three books at a time because I'm usually writing one, editing one and, mm -hmm. you know, getting ideas for a new one. But um, yeah, so after that phone call, I started writing my first romance and I got plugged in with Romance Writers of America, which is kind of like the national trade organization for romance writers. And I started going to my local chapter um, and meeting other romance writers and that kind of thing. And I was just first starting out. So I didn't have like a huge confidence level or anything. <laughs> um, but that was kind of, you know, uh, like, like you said, 2008 around that time was when e-readers were first becoming a big thing. And there were a lot of smaller presses coming up and I met a lot of authors who were writing for the Wild Rose Press. And so I thought, well, I will, I'll try them. That's a really good idea. And I did send them that original story, which will never be published. And it got <laughs> promptly rejected. I remember I got the rejection letter on Christmas Eve. I was like, man, that is harsh. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so I started writing for them. 
which was great because it really taught me, like I said, how to start a book and finish it, how to write to deadline, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing and uh, how to do editing, track changes and just all sorts of things I didn't know how to do. So that was wonderful. Um, but in retrospect, you know, some of those really early books are, um, you know, I've gotten the rights back to those and they're not no longer, they are no longer available because I feel like I've grown a lot and learned a lot That's since fair. then. So I hope mm-hmm. no one listening to this goes out and tries to find them. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but if you do, great. <laughs> Good for you. You are a detective yeah. if you manage to track it down. Um but no, so, um, I mean, not to disparage those books, but I was still learning, you know, mm-hmm, that's all I'm yeah. trying to say. Um, but actually they are, you know, when you look at their, you know, subject matter and their content, the first, the first one is kind of my very first book is kind of the heroine can, has the ability to talk to animals, kind of like Dr. Doolittle, but in her head. So, you know, and I still have dogs and animals in all of my books. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, they're all same true to my spirit, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, so yes, I was writing for a small press at the time and, you know, like most authors, my goal was to find an agent and try and get a contract with a big publisher. And I was also working part-time for National Geographic back then in the art department. And so, um, one year we, we had found out in January, right after Christmas, you know, I don't think it was that first Christmas um, where I got rejected on Christmas Eve. I think it was the next year. Um, we had found out at our office that our office was being shut down. And so we had, we all knew that we had limited time. We had four months to be there and that was it. So everyone, you know, morale was really low. It was just kind of a bummer. And then one day out of the blue, I got a phone call from um, an, a, a literary agent's assistant. And she was like, you know, I work for Liz Winnett Rubenstein and she, you know, got a copy of your book, Cup of Joe, which is one of my really early books for yeah. White Rose Publishing. Um, so this agent had seen a blog, I guess, with my book on it, bought the book, read it and wanted to know if I was looking for representation. And I thought, well, this has to be a scam. This is crazy. You know, this doesn't happen. Because <laughs> um, I hadn't even started querying yet, you know, trying to find an agent. I didn't think I was ready. So um, it was just kind of crazy. So we had a big, long phone call. And no, she was totally legit. So that was, it was just kind of great timing. Because it was when my professional life was winding down. And I was really hoping that I could start writing full time. Mm-hmm. And um, the agent, Liz Winnett Rubenstein, who is my agent now, um, you know, we talked for like a year before she signed me. It was a process. So I had to come up with a new idea and that kind of thing. But she ended up being my agent. Now we're really good friends and she's still my agent. And that was just kind of the start of everything when everything really took off and was able to become wow. my full-time career. That's awesome. Yeah. See, I feel like because I wasn't re- reading romance back then. So mm-hmm. looking at it now, it I know that like blogging is has always been really important for the romance genre, but I feel like especially then before social media became what it is, like that is so crazy to hear like right? how mm-hmm. the stars just aligned perfectly and how important blogging really has been or and and can be I mean Mm -hmm. that's incredible you don't hear stories like that anymore (laughs) of like someone in publishing reading a blog and you know getting recommendations you don't hear that anymore your tweet went viral and now (laughs) now people know who you are you know that kind of thing so yeah I mean I've never heard another story I mean even with my friends I've never heard that happening before so it was really it was really odd but you know my agent is a big dog lover and that book has a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel little Mm -hmm. face on the cover and 
So, you know, I think that's why she picked it up mm-hmm. and, um, you know, and that's, and we still really bond over our dogs. Yeah. So it's great. We have a really good relationship. <laughs> and that's but, what's um, cool. I think about blogging is, is like, if you're looking for romances with dogs, you know, in the book, there's probably a blog post out there mm-hmm. that is. Oh yeah. The there's a million. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. There's mm-hmm. a bunch. And so, but you know, I think romance is unique that way that blogging even still mm-hmm. is, um, you know, a big part of it. Like when we have, you know, new releases coming out, a lot of times I'll do a blog tour because romance readers um, follow blogs and they follow now podcasts mm-hmm. like you guys and, you know, Instagram, bookstagram is a huge deal oh. in romance, yeah. you know, right now. So um, it's, it's an interesting way to find readers in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. So in 2012, we got Alaskan Hearts book one in your Alaska series, which is part of Harlequin's Love Inspired line. For anyone listening who has yet to read a Love Inspired romance, how would you describe the series to them? And that's actually where I found you, was that book. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> I love yeah, that series. <laughs> Alaskan Hearts was my very first Harlequin and my very first you know, big, traditionally big five publisher published book. And um, I, I still love that book so much. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was with, and that was my first book that I got published through my new agent way back then. Oh, wow. um, so that was for Harlequin Love Inspired, which, you know, Harlequin has several different lines. Love Inspired is their faith-based line. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, I mean, it's not really big, you know, it, it's not, like a lot of, you know, heavy handed Christian content, but it's more, you know, wholesome. Usually the characters go to church, you Mm -hmm. know, that sort of thing. And so at the time that was my favorite line to read. I just, I loved reading that line. And so it was a big goal of mine to be published um, with love inspired. And that story, Alaskan Hearts, takes place in Alaska, obviously. (laughs) Um, And the heroine works for a nature magazine. Remember, I told you guys I had worked for Mm -hmm. National Geographic. Mm -hmm. So my heroine um, is a photo researcher for um, a nature magazine, which is what I was doing at the time when I first wrote that book. And she travels to Alaska for the annual sled dog race. And I wrote that book after I had gone to Alaska to volunteer at the Iditarod oh, wow. Trail Dog Sled Race. <laughs> so um, I went to the Iditarod three three years in a row to mm-hmm. volunteer with dogs. And I had such a good time. And to me, it was like the most exotic thing I'd ever done. So I was really excited um, to write a book set in that world. And so it started, I mean, I think I had five books set in Alaska for Love Inspired. Yeah. That started a big series that I had with them. Yeah. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Alaska is such a dream destination, it right? Like, we both want to go to Alaska. It's amazing. And I remember back then, too, there was, again, a blog post. Um, there was a Harlequin, the, the main editor for Love Inspired had been a guest on a blog. And when they asked her, you know, different things she was looking for, she had specifically said she was looking for a book set in Alaska. And so um, that was another reason why I was just like, okay, this is what I'm, you know, I had already planned the trip. So I was like, okay, I need to come oh, back and write a proposal for this right away. So nice. Yeah. Nice. So, so you, you get in with Harlequin. Mm-hmm. Did you pitch to them like this was going to be a series or did it start off as just the one book? Mm-hmm. Like how did, like, did you know when you went in, okay, I'm signing for more than one book or was it just did it start off as just the one I think it started off with two um you know and like when you first start out 
with Har. I mean, because right now I've written a lot of books for Harlequin. In fact, I think my 20th book for them came out this year. And mm-hmm. I've obviously written a few that haven't been published yet. You know, now I can just, you know, pitch an idea and send a chapter, you know, and then I'll get a contract. But when you first start out, you know, generally it's the whole entire book. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I do remember I had submitted the, the full entire book. And I did have to rewrite the whole last half of it. (laughs) They came back and they were like, we love this, but we need you to, you know, they sent a really detailed letter about things that they liked and things that they didn't. And they were like, if you could address some of these changes, we would love to see it again. That's called a revise and resubmit letter. And, um, and after reading it, really, I had to rewrite the whole last half of the book and they were correct. It was a much better book after I changed it. So, um, Again, I learned a lot of things from that. But yeah, so the contract was, you know, they would publish the first book and that they wanted a second book, you know, also set in Alaska. So I knew I was going to do another one. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's how it started. Of course, I never dreamed that there would be five, you know, Mm -hmm. after I wrote the second one, I, you know, I was, I also didn't know that they wanted them all to be in Alaska. You know, it would start this big, you know, long series. So, um, I mean, I started reading the Alaska newspapers. You know, I was trying to come up with different ideas at one sure. point, yeah. you know, after the first couple because uh, I couldn't do them all set at dog sled races. Although that would have been fine with me. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that world. But I wanted to do some different things. I had a book in that series um, that had avalanche search and rescue mm-hmm. dogs in it. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a book that had reindeer in it that was took place on a reindeer farm and had a reindeer herding dog in it yep. and actually that book was made into a hallmark movie years after the book came out mm-hmm. so um yeah those are really fun books but yeah so i knew it was going to be part of a series um i just didn't know you know how long it was going to last you know that sort of thing mm-hmm. or that i would be sitting here however many years later with more than 20 books for them <laughs> under my belt that seems insane <laughs> <laughs> seems crazy but you know harlequin um authors are amazing you know we have a party every year um usually it's at the rwa conference which we didn't have last year obviously Mm -hmm. um they did it online though but we have a party every year where harlequin gives out milestone achievement awards um for like you know 25 books or 50 books or 75 books and every year there's someone who's has written their hundredth book it's Mm -hmm crazy pants it's crazy yeah I mean they're really hard-working authors all of romance is that way because um romance readers are such voracious readers they you know they have a favorite author and they want to read their books regularly so romance authors are really (laughs) hard-working and we appreciate it absolutely (laughs) absolutely so in 2013 you released Unleashing Mr. Darcy under HQN Books what was the process of publishing your first single title for Harlequin like? Because that's what a year after Alaskan Hearts. So had you pitched them around the same time or how did that happen? Well, that's an interesting story because I had written Alaskan Hearts and I had submitted it to Harlequin. Then I signed with my agent who we had talked about. And originally, you know, I had sent the idea for, to, for Alaskan Hearts to my agent, you know, before I signed with her, when we were just having conversations and she liked it, but wasn't completely bowled over by it. Of course, this was before I had made all these changes. Okay. <laughs> um, so she was like, well, you know, I'm just not sure, you know, let me know if you come up with something else. So in the meantime, you know, I just went ahead and submitted it because I had been reading a lot of love inspired books and I just felt like maybe that they would like it. And you did not have to have an agent to submit to Harlequin category at that time. You still don't actually. Um, so I just went ahead and submitted it. 
So then I had the idea for Unleashing Mr. Darcy, okay. which um, if anyone hasn't read that, it's a modern day retelling of Pride and Prejudice set in the world of dog shows. And Mr. Darcy is a dog show judge and mm-hmm. Elizabeth Bennett is a dog nanny <laughs> and also shows her dog bliss. So um, I had the idea for that. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. And at the time, I was showing my dogs a lot, my um, Cavalier King Charles Spaniels, Bliss and Finn. And, uh, you know, I was reading, rereading Pride and Prejudice at a dog show one day and just had the idea. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. I could hear like the banter in my head. But I thought, I just didn't think that I should write it at all because I thought it was such a niche idea. You know, I was like, who wants to read about dog shows and Jane Austen? I mean, that just seemed like two totally different worlds. And Mm -hmm. the the amount of people who would want to read those two things together just didn't seem huge. (laughs) So, um, but, you know, I thought, well, I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, write the first three chapters of it, just write a couple chapters because I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I thought, I'm going to send them to that agent and see what she thinks. I know she's just going to think it's crazy, but she loved it. And so that was the project that she signed me on. Wow. So, and so then I told her, well, by the way, I have this other book that I submitted to Harlequin. I did the revise and resubmit. I still haven't heard back. So of course, within a week of signing with her, she got me a contract for Alaskan Hearts. I mean, she called and said, I'm Terry's agent now, you know, and we sold that. But the whole point of her signing me was for me to finish Unleashing Mr. Darcy Mm because I hadn't finished it yet and that she would, you know, then try and find a home for that. So once I finished it, you know, we were sending it out. When you go out on submission, you usually send it out to multiple publishers. But, um, you know, one of us, I forget, I forget how, you know, my editor at Harlequin had found out about it. I think I mentioned one of us mentioned it to her and she had asked for it. She was like, well, she's your editor and they're your publisher. So, you know, as a courtesy, we also need to send it to them. And we ended up, you know, getting offers from Harlequin, you know, from HQN and from Berkeley back, you know, back then. So, um, but in the end, you know, the Harlequin offer was a lot better. So, you know, we just went with that. And so that's how I got in with HQN and Love Inspired almost at the same time. I mean, it was within the same year, which was not, in a way that was really nice um, because, you know, I had, I had competing deadlines because, you know, I had my HQN contract, which was for three books Mm -hmm. and I had my love inspired contract, but I was working with the same company and the same editor. So, you know, she helped me prioritize what I was doing. Whereas now I have multiple contracts with different publishers (laughs) (laughs) and the editors aren't like having coffee. Yeah. Trying to decide what I should turn in first. Yeah. It's different. I'm like, that sounds so nice, but now I know that you have like, you, you work for different publishers now. So (laughs) I know it would be great if that, but you know, there's advantages to both. Um, because in one, you know, if you, if you, if all your books are with the same publisher, you know, all your eggs are in that one basket. Um, so that's, you know, that can be kind of scary, especially in today's climate, you know, Mm -hmm. because publishing is, you know, kind of a volatile industry. Um, and it's, you know, it's fun working with different editors. I love all my editors that I work with. It's great. So I feel, I feel very blessed that I get to do multiple projects with different people. So was Unleashing Mr. Darcy, that's the first one, right, that Hallmark adapted into film? Yes. Okay. Okay. So do you remember where you were, what you were doing? How did you feel when you learned that they are wanting to take one of your stories and bring it to film? 
Well, um, first of all, I'm a huge Hallmark nerd and always have been. You know, I've always watched all their movies and a huge fan. And so, oh, I remember exactly. <laughs> I remember exactly. And I bawled my eyes out. That's what happened. Um, but, you know, a little context, you know, so Unleashing Mr. Darcy came out as a book um, on New Year's Eve 2013. And, um, you know, it did not do great <laughs> when it initially came out. I mean, it sold okay, but not great. Um, so not great that eventually HQN canceled my contract and didn't even have me write the third book in mm. that contract. And so, and I was so new to publishing back then that I just thought I was the biggest failure on the face of the planet. No. <laughs> I, I mean, I really did. I felt really horrible about myself and thought that I had let down a lot of people. Um, and so I was just really devastated by that whole experience. I was still writing though. I mean, I still had contracts with love inspired and my agent was like, look, we're going to find you another single title contract somewhere. Don't worry. I mean, my agent is so great. She was at the time she was like, I don't want you to think I'm going to drop you or that this is the end. This is really hard, but we're going to fix this. Mm -hmm. We're going to turn this around. I was like, okay. And I mean, and her idea of turning it around was she contacted a longtime family friend who was a movie producer and asked her to pitch it to Hallmark. And I had no idea. Wow. And yeah. so that had, that took a year to sell that book to Hallmark. And I never knew anything about it, like the whole wow. entire time until my agent called me at 4.30 on a Thursday afternoon. And I was in my home office, you know, and I answered the phone and I mean, I just had no idea that's what she was calling me about. Cause you know, she calls me every now and then and we chat. So she said, I have some interesting news for you. And I was, you know, again, <laughs> interesting could go either way. I was like right. bracing myself for another <laughs> terrible, you know, something <laughs> bad. And she said, Hallmark channel has optioned unleashing Mr. Darcy and it's going to be a Hallmark movie. And I was just, I mean, I, I think I was just stunned. I didn't even know what to say. I couldn't believe it. And I immediately started crying. Cause I was just like, I could just tell in my mind, I was like, this is it. This is, this is how we're turning this around. You know, mm -hmm. this is going to be amazing. And I mean, every author dreams of their, one of their books becoming a movie. I think that's a universal dream that everyone has. And I just could not believe that it was happening to me. I was just so stunned and I cried and cried. And my husband was home and he was like, what is wrong? You know, like, what is going on? <laughs> you know? And, um, and because it was Hallmark, that made it even more exciting mm -hmm. because yeah. I just love them so much. And I remember being on the set of Unleashing Mr. Darcy and so many people who were working on the movie were, you know, congratulating me and, you know, and they're, you know, they've all made a bunch of movies and they all kept saying, oh, the first one is the most special. You'll always cherish this one. And I was like, the first one? Are you crazy? This is probably the only one I'll ever have. <laughs> I mean, it never, never crossed my mind that I would have more than one. So, um, and now I've had a few, but, but they were right. The first one is the most special, but that's also one of my favorite. I mean, if it's probably the favorite book I've ever written aside from my new one, Once Upon a Royal Summer, which we'll get mm -hmm. to that, I think later, but, mm -hmm. um, Unleashing Mr. Darcy was just a really personal story to me. It had my dogs in it. You know, it had just so much of me mm -hmm. in that book. All my books do, but that one in particular that um, it's just, it's always been my sentimental favorite. So, and for it to become a Hallmark movie was just crazy. And like I said, you know, my dog Bliss was in the book, you know, and, um, and then she was in the movie and then there was a doggy actor portraying my dog Bliss that looked almost just like <laughs> her. And it was crazy. And um, during lockdown last year, my dog Bliss passed away mm -hmm. And I, you know, I was really close to her. So of course I was really upset and I'll just never forget this later that same day, I mean, she passed away overnight, like in the middle of the night. 
And the next day I got up and I turned on the TV and my TV was on Hallmark because it always is. And when I turned on my TV, Unleashing Mr. Darcy was on. It was on. <laughs> and it was just like, oh my gosh. I just thought it was just so special to me because I was like, well, there it is. You know, she'll live forever. <laughs> and then, yeah. And it was just, you know, so anyway, like I said, that movie is very near and dear to my heart. I mean, I can barely talk about it without crying. I mean, that, <laughs> that's how much I love that. I love that movie. Aww. So um, yeah, so it was all very special to me, that whole process. I love how it turned around. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It became like this big positive. Right. It really did because Unleashing Mr. Darcy, I think as far as I know, still to this day is the um, number one highest rated romantic comedy, non-Christmas movie on Hallmark in Hallmark channel history. Yeah. (laughs) It it broke all sorts of records for the network. It broke social media networks with the most posts and all that. Mm -hmm. And it was just, you know, and I, I don't think, obviously, I don't think it had anything or much to do with me. It was just kind of the perfect storm mm-hmm. because we had the Jane Austen community, the Hallmark community, Ryan Pavey, who played Mr. Darcy. It was his first Hallmark movie, and he's he, a Hallmark a star doll. now. <laughs> Everyone loves him. And he, at the time, he was on General Hospital. So we had all the soap fans. Mm-hmm. And so it just was a perfect storm when that movie was made. You know, it just... Uh, everyone loved it and I just couldn't believe it I was like what how is this my life how is this happening (laughs) that is awesome um in 2016 his ballerina bride was published book one in the Drake Diamond series which is part of the Harlequin special edition line what inspired the transition from writing for a different line from going from love inspired to special edition I feel like uh, this is a, this is your life, Terry Wilson, because we're going over all these old books. Um, uh, actually, what inspired that was desperation. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but it like kind of is true. <laughs> right. Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm a big optimist, so I'm always just like, I think this is why I'm still hanging out and publishing after all this time, because, you know, I'm always willing to try new things. And if something doesn't work out, I'm just like, I'm going to find a way to make it work out or I'm going to have a new goal, you know, that kind of a thing. I'm going to adapt is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, well, all right. so like I said, my HQN contract had been canceled. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was trying to find a new home for a single title book that was supposed to be my next HQN book. OK, so I had written it. And, um, and then HQM was like, no, we're not going to go forward with Terry anymore. And so I then took that same manuscript. It actually, that book came out at a later date for, from Pocket Star, an imprint of Simon and Schuster. And the book is called Royally Roma. Um, and it was a Roman Those have the cutest covers. Oh, they have the cutest covers. Um, and actually, since we were talking about Roman Holiday, it's a, it's a modern day retelling of Roman Holiday with a gender flip. So, um. Roman, so I had Royally Roma and I was like, what am I going to do with this? Because now HQN doesn't want it. Where am I going to put it? So I shortened it and had my agent submit it to Harlequin Presents because it was a royal book set overseas. And I just thought Harlequin Presents might like it. So then Harlequin Presents came back and said it had too much of a rom-com type voice, which I have heard many times in my career. (laughs) Um, So it wasn't right for them. So then I thought, well, we'll try Harlequin Desire because they also publish books um, that are set overseas. And so, um, and yeah, they have royal books too. So we sent it to Harlequin Desire. So the Harlequin Desire editors came back and they said, (laughs) they said, we love this, but the line is changing a little bit. So um, we want to publish it, but we need you to make it not be royal and not set in Rome. 
I was like, well, the book is called Royally Roma. <laughs> so that's going to be super hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm the changing whole... the entire story. Yeah. <laughs> right. I was like, and I said, I said, well, you know, um, I would love that. That would be great, obviously. But it, honestly, it would be easier to write you guys a whole new book from start to finish, mm-hmm. you know, from scratch than to change this because how in the world, you know, mm-hmm. it's literally about a prince and it's in Rome. So, um, so they were like, okay, great. Well, you know, this is what we're looking for. And so they sent me a really detailed list of the things that they were interested in publishing. And so that is when I wrote His Ballerina Bride. So in my mind, that book was specifically written for Harlequin Desire. I thought that they would love it. You know, I had a family dynasty, the Drake mm-hmm. Diamonds. Um, I had these three brothers who were running their family's jewelry empire. The store was based on Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. If you read it, it's super obvious. Yeah, it was adorable. Um, <laughs> thank you. I love those books yeah. still. I do. When I talk about those books today, I do like to mention that they're super steamy compared to the books that I write today <laughs> um, because, again, I was writing them for Harlequin Desire, mm-hmm. you know, and that's yeah. what they're, you know, Harlequin has a bunch of different heat levels. So that was a saucier line. Um, so there are love scenes in the, in those stories, but I still, like I said, I really, really love that series. Um, I love ballet. So I was really excited to write a ballet heroine. Um, so anyway, that's what I did. And so then I sent it and then, um, Harlequin Desire still didn't want it. So I was (laughs) like, oh my God, seriously, I couldn't believe it. And so I was like, what am I, what am I going to do? And one of my author friends said, I remember I was at a doctor's appointment when I got the email, you know, saying that Harlequin Desire had passed on it. And I was texting one of my girlfriends who like knew all, all this whole story. And she said, Terry, you should send that to special edition. And I was like, really? It doesn't seem like a super special edition type story. And she said, no, go ahead and do it. You know, because they publish a lot of things, just send it to them. Maybe mm-hmm. they would like it. And so sitting there at my doctor's office, I then emailed my agent back. I said, can we please submit this to special edition today? And she said, uh, yes, we will. And so she sent it to special edition. And I mean, I don't think the timing was an accident, but, you know, Unleashing Mr. Darcy, the movie then came out. Mm-hmm. And the Tuesday after the movie came out, which is the day that the ratings come out, I got an offer from Harlequin on, uh, on his Ballerina Bride for special edition. And now, you know what? We had also, now that I forget about this story, since it got rejected from Desire, we when when we sent it to special edition, we had also sent it to um, Grand Central because I knew an editor there that we had been talking and I knew she liked my work. So we got an offer from both of those places on the wow. Tuesday after mm-hmm. Unleashing came out. And, um, you know, I had to decide, you know, who I wanted to go with. And I really liked that editor at Grand Central, but she, when she made the offer on that book, she did say, in full disclosure, I'm leaving the company. So Terry would be with a different editor. And so I was like, nope. Yeah. And so we went with Special Edition. And I love Special Edition. I love my editor there, Gail Chasen. She's fabulous. I love working with her. So I still write for Special Edition. Mm-hmm. So, But that's how I ended up there. It was kind oh, of like neat. a happy accident. Yeah. yeah. Nice. It sounds like you really had to find a home for mm-hmm. your book. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what series well, is this going to fit into? Like I know. And, um, and that's why I like doing these podcasts, especially for aspiring writers who listen to these type of things. Cause I think from the outside looking in, sometimes it looks like someone's just had a super easy career, you know, and, but I've, you know, I've always had to fight for my books. I mean, it's a lot yeah. easier now cause I've been at it for a long time. So I have more of an established readership and that sort of thing. But I mean, I still get rejected all the time and <laughs> just kind of, you know, adapt, you know, mm-hmm. what I'm doing and, you know, 
that that's just kind of what you have to do. This is a tough business. So yeah, it's so inspiring. I feel like every chat that we have the opportunity to have, we learn something different. And like, here we are with you. I'm like, this is Terry effing Wilson, right? <laughs> and to hear you like to just share your story. It's like even Terry effing Wilson yeah. has been told no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I've yeah. been told no plenty of times. Like multiple <laughs> yeah. times, yeah. you know, but like, here you are, you have like, books that have been adapted to film mm -hmm. and multiple books coming out this year. It's just like, it's so inspiring if somebody's listening and is like an aspiring writer, keep going yes. because, you know. All it takes is one yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, all it takes is one yes. And going back to that book, Royally Roma, remember I told you I had, you know, it was supposed to be for HQN and then I had tried to send it to Presents and then I sent it to Desire. Well, I still was sending that book around even after, you know, I told Desire it would be easier to write a new book from start to finish. I rewrote it. I rewrote it to be super sweet and sent it to Harlequin Romance and, they said no, and then it finally went to Pocket because, again, the Tuesday after Unleashing Mr. Darcy came out, they just approached my agent, and they were like, we want to work with Terry. Does she have anything? And I just had that book sitting on the back burner, and mm -hmm. so we sent it to them, and that's how it ended up um, over there. So, yeah, it's kind of crazy. <sighs> it's awesome. Mm -hmm. So, okay, let's talk about the trouble with picket fences for a moment, okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. absolutely wonderful. It's your most recent special edition. Mm -hmm. um, we really loved, so like we're a couple chapters into it and like we're messaging and I'm like, I love what she's doing with this whole white picket fence, right? As girls, mm -hmm. like that's kind of the idea for like when you become a, a grown woman, like you get the house and the, the guy and the white picket fence. Um, and it just meant more, I think, symbolically than just this object in Melanie's yard that she doesn't want. Um, and as a reader, it felt like you took the word fence and chose to explore it in different ways within the story. Melanie, because of a previous relationship, her really not a good guy <laughs> ex said some things to her. And then Cap has really put like this protective mental fence around himself after like the beginning of his hearing loss. Um, so can you share with us how Melanie and Cap's romance came to be and where did the picket fence idea come from? Like as a reader, we pick up on stuff and it's like, did she know she was doing this when she wrote the book? <laughs> <laughs> does it just become this monster of its own? Cause I'm like, she does a lot with this one theme. And I love that. I love seeing that. Okay. Well, the short answer is no, I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I mean, so y'all sent your questions over last night. And so I knew you were going to ask me about this. And when I first read it, I was like, how did I come up with that idea? I mean, I was like, where did that come from? Um, and I kind of figured it out. I kind of figured out where I got the idea. But, you know, going back to it being more than just a fence and kind of like a theme, I think most of my books have that. You know, yeah. um, like with the Drake Diamond series that like we were talking about, you know, because they had the diamond store, you know, when I wrote those books, all the analogies and metaphors and all have to do with diamonds and gemstones. Mm -hmm. And I use a lot of, you know, shimmering diamond bright type um, uh, imagery in those books. You know, I always try and pick a theme and really dig into it in all my books. And so I know I dug into the theme of the white picket fence in um, The Trouble with Picket Fences. But when I started writing that book, it wasn't like, I'm going to write a white picket fence book. <laughs> yeah. um, 
it was, you know, I had, I needed to write the third book in that series. And I knew that I wanted, I had for a long time, I had been wanting to write um, what people in the industry call a seasoned romance, um, which means a romance between a hero and heroine or two main characters who might be a little older than the, uh, than your typical romance. Mm -hmm. You know, usually the hero and heroine are in their late twenties, you know, that kind of a thing, some early thirties. And I really wanted to do a story about two um, more mature adults. So weirdly, this is completely nuts, but I know the technical definition of a seasoned romance is anyone over the age of 35, which I think is crazy. Because <laughs> I mean, that's like, come on. I mean, that's not that old. <laughs> I mean, not old enough to be called seasoned. Right. But maybe I'm just saying that because my son is going to be 30 this year. <laughs> no. Um so both um, Cap and Melanie are in their 40s in mm-hmm. um, Trouble with Pick Offenses. And so that was my main goal with that book. I really, really wanted to write a story about two characters in their 40s. And I had had this character, Cap, in the first two Lovestruck books because he's the fire captain. And the first, the first two books have heroes who are firemen in their fire department. So I thought, well, great. I've got, you know, a 40-something right here. I've got Cap. So I'll use him as the hero. And I knew that I wanted to write a former beauty queen heroine, someone who had been like, you know, because I'm just really fascinated with the idea of like when you're a big, she's a former Miss America in the book. Um, You know, how do you, how hard is that to transition from being like a Miss America to being someone in their forties? You know, Mm -hmm. I, I was just really wanting to explore that and how that might feel. Um, so that's kind of where I started from with that book. But when I wrote the proposal for that book, when I wrote the first chapter, I was on a little writing retreat with some of my author friends. It was last summer, late last summer. And, um, you know, I hadn't seen several of my writing friends for a while because of COVID. So we decided that we were going to rent a beach house on the Texas coast Mm -hmm. And we didn't even go anywhere. We're like, we brought food and coolers. We never even left the beach house for the whole weekend. <laughs> but we just wanted to hole up and be together and see each other and write yeah. together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had just gotten my puppy charm like the week before we went on that vacation. And so I brought her with me. I'm pretty sure the house didn't allow pets and I smuggled her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I couldn't leave her. I had just gotten her and she was so tiny. But she was tiny, like eight weeks old. And so I spent a lot of that writing retreat outside um, on the deck with puppy pads trying to get her to go to the bathroom. (laughs) And that the deck had like this beautiful white picket fence around it. And so when I really looked at this question and thought about it, I was like, I think I got that white picket fence idea from the beach house. Because, you know, we had, yes, we had our little white picket fence around the beach house. And that's, those are the chapters I was working on when I was on that writing retreat. And I think that is where the white picket fence kind of got stuck in my mind and um, it ended up being what it was. So inspiration literally does come from everywhere Everywhere. it does (laughs) yeah for sure (laughs) so the heroine melanie in the trouble with picket fences like you said she's a former miss america and then in once upon a royal summer which is coming out with hallmark Mm -hmm. the heroine lazy is a theme park princess now, we know according to your Instagram bio, we you love crowns. And thanks to your website, we know you love following the British royal family. When did that love start for you? And what do you most enjoy about sharing that love of royalty mm-hmm. in your stories? Um, yeah, it's kind of crazy how all of that works out. Because I've always been a big fan of the royal family. It started with Princess Diana. Mm-hmm. 
and you mentioned Instagram, you know, I have a link tree in my bio on Instagram and um, in my link tree, there's a story I wrote about Princess Diana for Hello Giggles. I think I wrote it like in 2015, but it mm-hmm. is all about how I started, how I became a Princess Diana fangirl. Okay. Um, and so, I mean, I was like 12 or 13 when she first got engaged mm-hmm. to Prince Charles. Mm-hmm. And like, I don't know, I just like became totally captivated with her and that whole fairy tale romance. Cause I was a kid. I just thought it was, you know, in their wedding, mm-hmm. so spectacular, that poofy gown, which I know young people hate but that's still my favorite royal dress it was so time. 1980s <laughs> it was it, i mean objectively speaking yep. it's not real fashion forward however but just i know it however was it was such a fashion it icon you it was yeah. symbolic and yep. for a kid like i was a you know i consider myself i was a little girl back then mm-hmm. i mean to me that was like the penultimate yes. royal ball gown because of its sheer magnitude and yes. size i mean yeah. the sleeves the train it was just like whoa yeah. um so i just thought oh this is like a real life cinderella and then um then just you know princess diana's heart you mm-hmm. know for charity and mm-hmm. i don't know she was just so empathetic mm-hmm. and i just you know she was just my ideal when i was a kid so that was my introduction into the british royals i mean that's how i became really a mm-hmm. big fan of the british royal family um and now, you know, I follow the Spanish royals. And so I like follow a bunch of the royal families. Um, but uh, uh, so anyway, I've always had, you know, a thing for, you know, glitz and tiaras and that kind of a thing. And so I'll, on my social media, I post a lot about the royal family mm-hmm. and how much, you know, I'm following them. And so because we were talking about pageants earlier and obviously with Melanie being a former Miss America. Um, a couple of years ago, a pageant director messaged me on Instagram. We were Facebook friends because she's also a literary agent for children's books. And so we knew each other through publishing, but she messaged me one day and she was like, Hey, Terry, I have this crazy idea. You know, I don't know if you'd be into it, but I'm the director for the national Miss United States pageant. And we were wondering if you wanted to come to Florida for a week and judge our pageant. And I was like, is this a joke? (laughs) (laughs) Are you crazy? You know, because I love crowns. I love gowns. I mean, I'm really into fashion. So to me, I was like, that is, are you serious? Like for real? And um, so, yeah. So I got to go down to Florida for a week and judge this big national pageant. And it was Miss United States, which if anyone is a Miss Congeniality fan, that's mm-hmm. the beauty pageant. That's or that's the scholarship competition, yep. as Candace Bergen would say, that is in the Miss Congeniality movie. And that's a real pageant. That's like a real life pageant. They don't sing the song for Miss Congeniality. I wish they'd had because that would be fun. <laughs> but um, it's a real life pageant. So I got to judge that pageant, which was so fun. I had such a good time and learned so much. And while I was there, I because I knew when I, they had asked me, I was like, well, now I'm going to have to write a pageant book, obviously. And while I was there, I got the idea for a book that I eventually wrote called The Accidental Beauty Queen. Mm-hmm. So um, I wrote The Accidental Beauty Queen, which was a, like, uh, I remember my, my editor describing it as Miss Congeniality meets Parent Trap because it's identical twins who trade places mm-hmm. in this beauty pageant. And so, but now since I wrote that book, now I get invited to judge pageants because pageant people read the book. And yes. then they come, so it's just kind of all like a big self-fulfilling prophecy thing. So that's mm-hmm. how... Anyway, that's why my bio says I love crowns because I like royalty. I like royalty and I involved somewhat in the pageant pageant. world. So that is why my bio says that. So now I have forgotten your original question. (laughs) 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 Oh, how do I like sharing my love for all that? Oh, well, you know, all of my books have big pieces of me in them. I mean, 
um, one of the compliments I get a lot is that my branding is so great. Mm -hmm. And they're like, your branding is so awesome. You know, like everyone who's, you know, all of your readers, you know, anyone who knows you, they see something and they're like, oh, Terry would love this, you know? And I said, I think the reason why my branding is so on track is because really it's authentic. You know, all the stuff that I talk about, all the stuff that's in my books, I'm not just trying to think of something to write about that I think people might like. I mean, it's all really personal to me. You know, these are all stories that I would want to read if I was a reader. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just like, I just have a really good time with it. I usually only, you know, I really only want to write things that I love. Um, and feel really passionate about. So even if they're, you know, fun, silly things like crowns. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so yeah, I think that's, that's why all that stuff always comes through in my books. And I love sharing that stuff with readers because, you know, I, I, you know, and also the big message that I like, you know, on a more serious note, you know, all of my books, I hope have a positive outlook. You know, that's kind of the thing I want to, my books to focus on positivity and kindness mm-hmm. Um, and some, you know, because we live in a world, obviously now, especially that can be difficult. And I want my books to be fun escapes that really kind of remind people that the world can be a nice, lovely place. And then yeah. there's kind people out there, that of kind course. of thing. Of yeah. mm-hmm. How did you begin writing for Hallmark? Um, especially when we read both a special edition from Harlequin alongside or after reading a Harlequin published romance, we feel that they read very similar as an author who writes for both, do you recognize any similarities or do they feel different to you? Um, well, I started writing for Hallmark because I, you know, I found out that Hallmark was starting a publishing company. And because I'm a huge Hallmark fan at that point, I'd had four Hallmark movies. Yeah. I just really wanted to write for them, you know, because I thought that I just was like, well, this is perfect because mm-hmm. I'm already doing this. You know, these are the kind of books I'm already writing. I love Hallmark Channel. They've been so good to me. You know, um, I really just really wanted to be involved with them on the writing front if they were going to enter that arena. And um, so that's how I started. And the first few books I pitched to them did not get picked up, but then they came to me and asked me to write Love at the Shore. Uh, One of the okay, yes, okay, that was my first. Yeah, I think I know. I think the story of us was my first by you and then okay. love at the shore. OK, so can you explain that to us? Because yes. are there books that Hallmark has that the movie comes first and then they approach you as the author to write the book for? Yes, that's okay. what I was okay. about to say. Okay. So um, Hallmark Publishing is really unique because they do original fiction books and sometimes they're made into Hallmark movies. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sometimes they're not, you know, whichever. Um, they do, but they do original fiction like all other publishing companies, but they also do novelizations. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times, you know, some of the Hallmark movies that come out on the channel are based on books like Unleashing Mr. Darcy, but they mm-hmm. also do a lot of movies that are not books at all. They're just, you know, screenplays. And um, so one of the unique things that Hallmark Publishing does is sometimes they'll do a novelization of an already existing movie. So they'll take a popular movie on Hallmark Channel and have an author write a book, you know, based on the movie. So that is what they asked me to do okay. with Love at the Shore. I was beside myself when they asked me. I was so, <laughs> so, so excited because I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be like getting paid to watch a Hallmark movie over and over and over and over again. I watched that movie a lot of times, y'all. So, um, so it was great. I would seriously write novelizations all day long for them. I mean, I love doing that. It's really fun. They're not doing as many novelizations as they were in the very beginning, but they're still doing them. So I've done two. I've done Love at the Shore and I've done um, The Story of Us both. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And they were both so fun. I loved Love at the Shore because there was a lot of banter in that movie. I mean, I love it when yeah. the main characters really don't like each other at first. And mm-hmm. so that's, that the was heroin in that one. I was like, girl, you're at the beach. I know. <laughs> Relax. Yeah. A little. Right. So that is how I first began working with um, Hallmark Publishing. But what you were saying about reading a Harlequin and reading a Hallmark side by side and that they're similar. Um you know what? I think that's just, you know, I don't know if you're specifically talking about my books or other people's, you know, that sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. I think that in a way, all of my books read similarly because it's the same voice. You know, mm-hmm. I have a very, I think, distinctive voice because it's just it basically sounds like the voice in my head. <laughs> Take or leave it. Um, so I do think in that way, a lot of my books have the same general feel okay. to them. And so I think that that's part of it. But also, like with Harlequin Special Edition, like we talked about, my very first series with them several years ago was spicier, obviously, because I was originally writing it for a different line. Um, and now my most recent ones are really sweet, just like my mm-hmm. you know, sweet on the heat level mm-hmm. spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, but I think Special Edition does uh, books in all sorts of... They do. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. do spicier books. They do, you know, so it just kind of depends upon what you pick up. So I think that it's just going to depend upon the author, really. That's fair. But I think that my my recent Harlequins in the past few years <clears throat> do read a lot, like my Hallmark books, because that's what I'm doing now. You know, that's that's kind of what I'm leaning into. Sure. You know. Yeah. Well, we know from talking to other authors and just from looking at the Harlequin website that there's a specific lane you need to stay in when you're writing for these, like the word count you know stuff like that is hallmark the same is there a general guide like can you share that is there a guideline or can you just submit you know um i think i can share that because it's right there on their website Fair enough. okay <laughs> um yeah on the hallmark publishing website there are writing guidelines that anyone can look at so i don't think okay. i'm giving away any big secret but yes there is a word count okay. the har- the hallmark books are longer mm-hmm. than a harlequin book you know so all my hallmarks are longer than my harlequins um, and yes, they do have very specific guidelines because they do want it to stay true to the spirit of the Hallmark channel. It's their brand. So, yeah. Right. It's their brand. So mm-hmm. there's not going to be anything super duper heavy. You know, there's yeah. not going to be, you know, violence, mm-hmm. um, in a backstory or on the page, certainly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there can be grieving characters that's in their bed, but not like really fresh, sure. like where it's really, a, you know, fresh grief. Um, cause they want to keep things a little bit more light and positive and, um, you know, no children or animals in peril, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they want it to read, they want it to read like the Hallmark movie. Sure. So there are some really specific instructions. Um, okay on there but even you know even though I had worked a lot with Hallmark Channel it was still a little bit of a learning curve because at first um I, one of the stories I mean I guess I can go ahead and talk about this one of the stories I had pitched at the very beginning was a one uh, 101 Dalmatians inspired rom-com <gasps> yes which I thought how cute <laughs> is that right mm-hmm. and so um so I came up with this idea where the heroine would have a Dalmatian the hero would have a Dalmatian their dogs would get switched So, and they wouldn't know it because their dogs looked alike. So her dog was super naughty. His was really good. And then they switched and adorable chaos ensued. Mm -hmm. So that was my idea. And I thought, well, this will be great. But, um, you know, Hallmark wasn't really interested (laughs) because, um, you know, they don't like to portray dogs doing really bad things because they have their big animal adoption initiative, you know, that sort of thing. Okay. So, um, 
But that book is coming out this year from Sourcebooks. So I sold it somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. So it's called um, A Spot of Trouble and it comes out in September. It has a super cute cover. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's really, it's really cute. It's a, it was so much fun to write. I loved writing that book. Oh, so, awesome. you know, yeah. Oh, I'm excited. But, yeah, but yes, to answer your question, yes, they have a very, that's, you know, maybe that's why they thing. feel like they read not the same, but you know what I mean? Because of the guideline kind of an idea, you know, you, you know what yeah. you're reading when you read a Harlequin and when you read a, a Hallmark, at least from my kind of feel like, like the sweet special edition. Yes. That's how mm-hmm. it, like it feels. And it feels like even with them, you cut out the, the fluff and you get straight to it. I mean, yeah. they are longer, mm-hmm. you know, longer books, but if they do, they just feel when I read them, after say reading a special edition, I'm like, wow, like these feel really similar in the sense of like, we just get straight to it. Like it's a second chance. So I'm going to tell you in the first chapter, this is when they were together. This is why they broke up. (laughs) Boom. Let's get on with it. And I'm like, I dig this. I like it. I feel like I'm reading a category. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And one of the things too, that I like about both of them is that, um, you know, they want to keep it light and fun and, you know, have that light feeling, and keep it positive, but at the same time, a Hallmark book and like a special edition also really, you know, tug at your heartstrings. Yes. So mm-hmm. you want to feel things. They're emotional but light at the same time, mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. I'm just happy that like we have yours coming out. We have Once Upon a Royal Summer in June, mm-hmm. right? Yes. It's June, yes. mm-hmm. and we have another Harlequin author who has one coming out in May this month. Um, Love at South Beach, I think it's called uh, South uh- Beach Love. I. South Beach Love. Hey, South, South Beach, Beach Love. Love by Caridad. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I think Pinero. it's Pinero. Pinero. Yeah. Caridad Pinero. An intrigue author. I'm like, yes. look at an yeah. intrigue author writing. Yeah. <laughs> I've read that book too. It's, oh my gosh, that book is so cute. Y'all are going to oh. love it. South mm. Beach Love. Yeah, it's about competing quinceaneros. But, you know, and I live in San Antonio, so that's a big part of the culture here. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So it's it's a great book. Oh, I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, okay. Once Upon a Royal Summer is absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic. Had the option, the um, opportunity to read it on NetGalley. So in that one, Lacey is our heroine. She's a theme park princess at a park called Once Upon a Time. And her world collides with real life prince, Prince Henry and his little girl, Rose. And Rose in particular is really what brings Henry and Lacey together. She's royalty and she'll eventually have these expectations she's expected to fulfill. But Henry wants her to enjoy childhood. And with her mother passing away and Lacey's passing away as well, that's like one way that they're able to really bond. Um, The book really sheds the light on how important the job of theme park princess is. I loved that you like explored that in the Mm -hmm. book. Um, How did the idea for this story come to you? Was it the like fake princess meets the, the the scene where they're waltzing and she realizes like he knows what he's doing? I'm like, okay, (laughs) this is the, their worlds are going to collide throughout Mm -hmm. this book. And it did. And it was perfect. I loved so much of what you did with this book. The dress scene at the end, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, (laughs) but that was another like Easter egg of just like her job. Like she loves her job. And like now, but she's, she's like a fake princess, but now she's like in that world of real royalty and just those two worlds colliding. I just thought it was perfect. Mm -hmm. So 
How did this story come to you? Yay. Thank, I'm so glad that you loved it because it's my favorite book ever. <laughs> As I was saying earlier, I was not joking. I mean, so when I sold that book to my Hallmark editor, um, I remember, you know, we were talking about it, you know, right before I started it. And she was like, Terry, I mean, I just feel like this is the book you were born to write. I've never read a more you thing in my life. Yeah. And I was like, that's a lot of pressure, but yeah. thanks. You know? You know? <laughs> Um, but no, it's true. I mean, it is, there could not be a more Terry book ever. And so that's why it's my favorite. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just, I want people to love it so much because I'm just so, oh, I'm so attached to that book. It's my favorite. I would, I wish I, I honestly wish I could write it again and again and again, because I just love it. Um, you know, so I, I wanted to write, you know, I've always, I always want to write royalty romance because that is my favorite thing. And I really, really wanted to write a Hallmark Royal Romance. And I had been really trying to think of something, you know, a, I wanted to write something original. You know, there's so many prince or princess in disguise mm -hmm. type books. Um, and I love those. I mean, I love it when a main character finds out, oh my gosh, the guy I've been having a relationship is a prince. And I didn't know this is the most <laughs> terrible thing to ever happen to me. And I just think that that's hysterically funny. And I will always think it's funny. So, you know, um, I wanted to write something like that, but I wanted it to be different, you know, because that's been done so many times. And right around the time I wrote this proposal, I remember it's when Harry and Meghan had gone back to the UK for like their final royal engagement. And there was a picture that came out that everyone was talking about the picture of them under the umbrella. Yes. If y'all remember that yes. she's wearing the really pretty blue dress mm -hmm. and they're smiling at each other. And there's all these flash bulbs in the background and it makes the raindrops, you know, look like diamonds. It's like the coolest, most glamorous, that picture mm -hmm. and I just remember looking at that picture and I was like man I've just got to really write a royal romance fan <laughs> I mean I just really wanted to and that weekend I was like okay I've got to do some brainstorming you know I'm also a big Disney fan you know I love all the Disney princess movies Cinderella is my favorite Disney princess and of course Belle with Beauty mm -hmm. and the Beast and I don't know I was just brainstorming that weekend trying to come up with ideas. And a lot of times when I'm brainstorming a new story, if I know what one of the characters is going to be. And so like, I knew I wanted to have a prince and a, you know, a commoner, as they say, heroine, I knew, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. But with, when I do any story, sometimes when I'm trying to figure it out, like I said, I like it when they don't like each other at first, mm -hmm. or I like it when they're opposites. Right. Um, so I was trying to think what would be what's like the opposite of being royal? Like what would be the most awkward combination I could possibly come up with? You know, that's what I was trying to think of. And of course, first in my head was journalist, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's always like the thing with the press. So I was like, well, that's also been done. And I like, yeah. you know, um, with other authors and really done really well. And so I mm -hmm. didn't want to do the same thing, but that's where it came from. And I don't know, as soon as I landed on that, as soon as I landed on fake royal, like a pretend princess, I knew it. I knew that it was a good idea. I mean, I yeah. just knew. <laughs> I mean, just immediately I was like, that's it. That is it. And it took me, you know, a week or two to hammer out the details. But even when I just had that, that's all I knew. Real prince, theme park princess. I emailed my editor. You know, I had worked with her on several books and I was like, here's my core idea. And I just gave her that one sentence, theme park princess, real life prince. If I came up with something, if I can turn this into a proposal, is this something you would be interested in? And immediately she was like, yes, that is a great idea. <laughs> and, and I sold, I mean, I got that contract faster than any other Hallmark contract I've gotten wow. because I mean, we both, both my editor and I just loved the idea 
so much. So, um, yeah, so that was just kind of the idea. I was just trying to think what would be the most awkward person to throw (laughs) into the world of royalty. And you know what? This one and um, Love at South Beach. I have, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm re I'm starting that one today. They feel very different from what I feel like we've gotten so far with Hallmark. And I know Hallmark publishing is like making some changes and I'm like, mm-hmm. these are good changes. If these two books are part of the change, because they do, they feel <laughs> really different and very like a, just a fun, fresh perspective. I'm so mm-hmm. excited. And I'm glad you said like this book felt very you because mm-hmm. while reading it, I'm like, okay, Grace Kelly we know Terry Wilson loves Grace <laughs> Kelly. And I'm like, I can imagine the scene in the movie that you describe with her and Cary Grant and her pink um, scarf. I think it's a Hitchcock film, the one that it I'm is. thinking of. It's To Catch a Thief. To mm-hmm. Catch a Thief. Yes. Um, Friends makes a, there's Friends yes. references. <laughs> I forgot about that. She's Cinderella she with her like shoe coming off at mid- the, the shoe scene in the midnight, the clock striking midnight. Belle when she gets introduced to the library. I'm like, this is all Terry Wilson gems in this book. <laughs> it's all in there. I know it is. It's like Terry Wilson Easter eggs. I do. I watch Friends every single day, y'all. <laughs> when I eat my lunch, I watch Friends yep. every day. And sometimes I watch it late at night. Well, not okay. My husband goes to bed super early because he gets up at four in the morning to go to the gym so um my husband goes to bed at like 8 30 um so when he goes to bed like, at night sometimes I'm reading sometimes I'm knitting you know every now and then I write at night I try not to because then I can't sleep but um I'll just you know we'll usually we'll watch something together on tv in the evening before he goes to bed and then after he goes to bed I just switch it over to Nick at night because they show friends all night long <laughs> and so I so I just always have friends on in the background in the evening like whatever I'm doing And, um, you know, this has been literally been going on for years. Okay. So my husband, just the other day, my husband turns on the TV because then during the day, I don't really watch television or if I do, I watch it in a different room, like in the morning while I'm drinking my coffee. So my husband turned on the TV. This was just a few weeks ago. And Nick, you know, Nick at night during the daytime is cartoons. (laughs) He's like, I do not understand why every time I turn on the TV, it's on this cartoon channel. Like, who watches this? Like, it's like I don't get it. Why is our TV always on Nickelodeon? I was like, oh, <laughs> because I watch Nick at night. After you go to bed, I watch Friends. I'm like, he had no idea. <laughs> During the day, it's though, you know. years. Like, why? Why During is the day, it's Rugrats. Exactly. It's like, I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> so when the two worlds, so when Lacey and Henry's world collide, as the reader, we're aware that pretending to be royalty has been her job. So there are a lot of aspects to Henry's world it feels like she fits perfectly into. However, you're always fully aware that she's been royalty only in pretend. But she brings a fun, fresh perspective and balance that both the Queen and Prince Henry didn't realize they needed. Was there anything about Lacey that you hoped would resonate with readers? Oh, for sure. Um, well, I think that too, you know, part of the whole point of the book is that you know, Henry has had some tragedy in his life. His mom is worried about the future of the monarchy, you know, and they all know that he has this little girl and eventually the whole monarchy is going to rest on her shoulders. Um, So that's a lot of, you know, heavy stuff for them to deal with. And like I said, at the time, it was like when Meghan and Harry were first leaving the monarchy. And so, you know, the whole seriousness and drama, you know, of the monarchy is what I was thinking about. 
and I really wanted Lacey to be like a breath of fresh air and remind mm -hmm. them of all the good things that come with sitting on the throne come with and like all the opportunities they have to help their mm -hmm. community and to, you know, make a difference in people's lives. And so that's what I really wanted Lacey to symbolize for them is all of the pure, innocent, good things mm -hmm. about yeah. the monarchy. And so um, that is what her function was, you know, for them in the story, that's how they change in the story. But I don't, I don't know. I really love Lacey as a heroine. Like I said, she's pretty much me in a ball gown. So <laughs> watching her friends, you know, it's like, and, you know, doing her little fun things with animals at the park and the kids and wearing her yeah. crown. And, um, you know, in a way she is, um, you know, kind of naive, you know, she has a childlike quality to her. She lost her mother when she was young. You know, I lost my dad when I was only 13. So we have that in common. And, you know, and I don't want to give too much away about the book, but, um, you know, and her emphasis on kindness and doing yeah. the right thing and just really simple things that I think sometimes get lost mm -hmm. in a really complicated world. That's, that's kind of what I would like readers to yeah. take away from awesome. her as a character. Never take off your crown, even in the bath. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, okay, so you know what inspired that? You know, readers may not know this. So there's a really famous picture of Princess Margaret, um, you know, Queen Elizabeth's sister, mm -hmm. when she was younger. And it's a picture that at the time was taken by her husband, Anthony Armstrong Jones, who was a famous photographer. He took a picture of her in a bubble bath wearing her crown. It's the Polymore <laughs> tiara. It's a really yeah. big tiara. So she was going to a state dinner and the hairdresser had already come and done her hair and put her crown on and she had all of her makeup and her hair and stuff done, but she wanted to take a bath before the dinner. So she's in the bath with her hair with all done up wearing the crown. <laughs> and he took a picture of her and it's a really famous photograph. It's one of my favorite pictures. Yeah. I love it. I really want to get it blown up and hang it in my bathroom. <laughs> like the best to yeah, yeah, yeah. I love a bubble bath you know um but so that is where that little princess rule in that part of the book came from that photograph yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you ready for some fill in the sentence followed by rapid fire sure all righty when I'm not writing I'm taking pictures of my dog um, <laughs> we love realistically charm. I am yeah. <laughs> we love charm beautiful, beautiful. Um, one trip I'm hoping to take is well I'd like to go to Korea to visit my son Cameron but also for fun my friend Julia London who's also a romance author yes. we're really good friends Some t we've gone to Scotland twice now to mm -hmm. go on writing retreats wow. and just hold up like in a cottage in the highlands and we keep talking about how as soon as we can do that again, we want to do it because we always have such a great time. Oh, oh my goodness. See, this is we why I want to be a writer, just to do things <laughs> like this. <laughs> Go to the retreat. All right. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, okay, I was at an author, like a reader event, and they, had, an, they were, had a silent auction where they were auctioning things off for charity. This was a couple years ago. And one of the things was a week in a cottage in the Scottish Highlands. And I bid on it. The very minimum bid. I was like trying to get the ball rolling and yeah. no one else bid on it. And I won. And that's how we ended up going on this thing. And so I always say, you know, I went to Scotland because I accidentally 
wanted to an auction. <laughs> I had to tell my husband. It was, it was like, how was the weekend? I was like, well, <laughs> I accidentally bought a week in Scotland. Yeah. So. Sorry. <laughs> I know. Oops. <laughs> like, guys, I was just trying to get the party started. <laughs> right? I know. But now it's going to be premeditated. We want to actually go to Scotland on purpose. Yes. So. Oh. <laughs> um, if Charm could talk, the first thing she'd say would be? Well, I'm going to say she would say, I love you. I think that would be the first thing because she's so cuddly and affectionate and sweet. It would either be that or feed me because she's always hungry. (laughs) I love you and feed me, please. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What's for dinner? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) One thing I want within arm's reach while writing is? Oh, a cup of coffee with some frou-frou type flavor to it. We love frou-frou flavor. That's what I'm drinking right now. <laughs> Me too. I mean, you and I can see each other. I was about to hold up my coffee cup. Yeah. You just can't see that. I'm drinking vanilla cream flavored coffee right now. I've vanilla got uh, cream. Yeah. Southern butter pecan, which is <laughs> delightful. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, the first song on my soundtrack to my life is. Um. Okay. I did not, I'm not a big music person. I mean, I listen to a lot of classical music while I'm writing, or mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of French music because the words are in French and I don't know what they mean. So they, <laughs> so they can't, you know, get me mixed up, you know, while I'm writing English words. So I do, I listen to a lot of French music and a lot of classical. So when I, you know, I don't know, but the, honestly, the first, this is so ridiculous. I hate to even say it. The first thing that popped into my head was who let the dogs out, y'all, because I'm letting the dogs <laughs> I'm letting my dogs out constantly. All day long. That is perfect. I know. We know you're it's a dog like, lover. Very on brand. Very exactly. much. No, but very it's much true. No. That is the first thing that popped into my head just now. That's, and it's such there. a fun song. And you're such a fun person. Right. So. It it's taking all my self control not to sing it right now. And I've got it in my head. So <laughs> yes. it's in mine too. Yeah. Uh, my celebrity crush as a teen girl was. Oh, my goodness. Celebrity crush as a teen girl. Um, you know, as a teen, you know, a teen girl. I mean, I did have a Donny Osmond lunchbox when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I did go see him at the Houston rodeo. Nice. Um, so, I mean, I wasn't a teen. I was a kid. So, but I'm probably going to stick with that. Donny Osmond That's was fair. probably my first, my very first celebrity crush adorable he was very handsome i very know handsome. and he was really good on dancing with the stars most recently yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> rapid fire um ebook mm-hmm. audiobook or print book which is your preferred reading method i do all three but i'm gonna say my favorite's print i'm always reading three books at a time because i'm always doing one on each platform nice, nice. Yeah. wow yeah <laughs> Um, what was your last unput downable read? Um, well, I read a book recently on NetGalley that I got in ebook format called The Royal Correspondent, again on brand. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it is so cool. It you know, it's written by an author from Australia whose name is escaping me. I should have like had this in front of me so I could say. But um and so it, I think that it might already be out in Australia or it's coming out earlier in Australia, but it's not coming out here until fall. But it's called The Royal Correspondent. It takes place in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And it's about um, 
the heroine wants to be like a serious reporter, but it's the 50s. So she has to work her way up at the paper. And really the only place the paper will let women work is for the women's pages writing about fashion or royalty or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then they send her to London. Um, And actually we were just talking about Princess Margaret and her husband, Anthony Armstrong Jones. That's her first assignment is to report on their wedding. Oh, nice! So it's really fun. The book is really great because it has a awesome main character, but it's, you know, got Mm -hmm. all the, glitz and glamour of the 50s royalty you know it's um it's a really really fun book I love that book and I liked it so much I'm going to go back and read the author's first book which I have not read before I think it's called the Paris model but Mm. that was a really really good book the royal correspondent I loved it so is it not out yet historical fiction or is it non-fiction it's historical fiction historical fiction okay okay sounds yeah um what is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever been given about writing or just life in general? General. Okay. Um, actually, this applies to writing and everything. So back when I was showing my dogs a lot, I did show one of my dogs, Angel, in Rally Obedience. She was an English Cocker Spaniel. And, um, you know, I'm basically like a marshmallow of a person. I'm not a disciplinarian at all. <laughs> I mean, that's that's why I have Cavalier King Charles Spaniels because they're just naturally sweet and good, Mm -hmm. right? Like I could never own, you know, like a a pit bull or something because I wouldn't be very good at training them. Yeah. yeah. Um, But so, but, you know, I liked doing dog shows because it was a fun chance to just hang out with my dogs, you know, and do things and win trophies and stuff. So, um, and I just, you know, and I like dog people. So at the time though, there was this new sport called rally obedience. It's still out there, you know, at dog shows. And it's like a combination of dog obedience and agility kind of like sometimes your dogs have to like go through cones Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, they have to sit and do other things. Okay. So I was doing this with my dog, Angel and, you know, we were really good at it because Angel was a really smart dog. And, um, I had a really good friend named Harold. He's an older gentleman, like in his eighties and he's, you know, been in dog, just has done dog shows for years. So he had like little training classes in his driveway. And so some of my friends and I would go over to his house a couple times a week and practice with our dogs. And then we would all go to dog shows together. And whenever I would think about entering a show, like I was trying to enter Angel in Obedience, even though I was like a nervous wreck and honestly, y'all really terrible at it. And, um, or if I was trying to enter Bliss into another show, I would look at the catalog and I would ask Harold, you know, this show's coming up this weekend. You know, I'm not sure if I should sign up for this one. And Harold always had the same exact answer. And this is not my new mantra. It's been my mantra now for a decade, ever since then. He would always say, Terry, you can't win if you don't enter. Mm-hmm. And, his, and that's what yeah. he would always say and he was always just like you can't win if you don't enter yep um and that is kind of not my philosophy for life like what we're talking <laughs> about when my books get rejected you know and I still really want to write it you know you can't win if you don't enter you can't get what you want unless you put yourself out there yeah and Urgent. so you have to put yourself out there and if you get a no put yourself out there again mm-hmm. or you know that's just kind of my that my theory you can't yeah. there's no harm in trying mm-hmm. Because if you, you know, you can't succeed if you don't try. So, you know, not succeeding every now and then is just part of the process. Mm -hmm. So you can't win if you don't enter. It's my favorite piece of advice ever. (laughs) I mean, and it definitely takes some vulnerability, right, to put yourself out there. And especially knowing that they're either going to say yes or they're going to say no. But you you will never get the yes if you don't keep putting yourself out there. Yeah. 
No, and I think that the longer I've been in publishing and in writing, the you know the easier it gets to do that sort of thing. Because even 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 if all of it's a yes, and you know you publish your first book and it comes out and it's a big hit, you're still going to get bad reviews. You know, everyone does. You're still yeah. going to get the reviews where the book just didn't resonate with someone. Mm-hmm. And so, in a way, you're still going to face rejection. You know, and so it is very vulnerable being a writer, especially if you put a lot of your own personal self into your books, which I think most writers do. True. Um, you know, and, and so that's just the thing, you know, not everything is for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so you can't just take those things personally, but if that's really what you want to do and that's really what you want to be, you just have to keep trying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of, one of the like reviews that really ticks me off is like, this reads like a Hallmark movie. And I'm like, well, it's published by Hallmark. So <laughs> if you know, you don't like those, why would why you would pick, you pick this book? up? Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention that, but that's in my head because yeah, yeah. I've seen it every time. I I love Hallmark. We love Hallmark movies, so I'm like, obviously, you should have known what you were getting into. (laughs) Why would you pick it up in the first place? Oh, it kills me. I read it too, and I'm then I'm just like, well, nailed it. I mean, (laughs) what I'm supposed to be doing? Positive review right there. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. That can't be a bad thing. So yeah. Um, 15 years from now, you're writing your memoir. What's the title? Uh, I always say it's, I hope I didn't talk too much. Because <laughs> that's what I always say at the end of any interview, like when we get off of here, I'm probably going to say, y'all, I hope I didn't talk too much. You um, are doing great. I do, I talk. I do. I don't know. I always blame it on being an author because it's kind of a solitary existence. So mm-hmm. When I do get to see people, I do tend to talk to <laughs> And I'll never forget, well, I went to Paris a few years ago for, a, I got invited to go sign books at this big romance book festival that they were having. And my friend Julia and I, you know, who go to Scotland together, you know, we went together because she was also invited. Oh my gosh, we had such a good time. But so, I mean, we knew we were going like for, you know, a while. Actually, we went to Paris two years back to back for two different author conferences that we got invited to. But before the first one, you know, I was doing Rosetta Stone, trying to learn French. And mm-hmm. I was like, so excited. I couldn't wait. And um, my agent, one of her uh, colleagues, an agent who works at her agency lives here in town and we were having coffee. It's a guy. Maybe that, maybe that has something to do with this conversation. <laughs> he was like, he's very well traveled. He's traveled a lot. And he was, and he represents, you know, serious literary writers. Mm. So he was like, Terry, just, you know, a word of advice, you know, you might want to take it down a notch when you get to Paris. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> take it down a notch. I said, do you mean like volume or <laughs> like just overall? And he's like, just like all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I came back and I was like, I will have you know, the Parisians loved me. There you go. <laughs> I, like, they loved me and I did not take it down a notch at all. I was my actual self. <laughs> anyway, so that's what would probably be, I hope I didn't talk too much. Oh, that would be the, the start. <laughs> or buckle in, it's going to be a long book because apparently I can't shut up. So, yeah. You'll need to do the audio book if there's... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Pre-ordering the audiobook yeah, as we right? speak, yeah. okay? <laughs> I feel like we know the answer to this one already, uh, but what is one of your favorite tropes to read? 
Oh, well, like I said earlier, yes, the royalty in disguise. Yeah. Oops, I'm accidentally <laughs> dating a crown prince. Oh, prince. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <sighs> Fabulous. So lastly, I know we have the book coming out in September. Mm-hmm. Remind mm-hmm. us the title again. A Spot of Trouble. A spot That's of the trouble 101 Dalmatians um, inspired rom-com. A Spot of Trouble. It comes out in September from Sourcebooks. Do we have any... I. We have a Love Struck Vermont book coming out at the end of this year, right? Do we? Yes, yes, okay. we do. It's the last one in the Love okay. Struck series, book four. It's called Merry Christmas Baby. That's what I'm working on right now. Yay. I'm almost finished. Um, okay. Yeah, so that comes out in December. I think it actually comes out November 29th. Okay. We are mm-hmm. so ready for the Christmas We romances. love all the Christmas. <laughs> yay, yay. <laughs> I love writing a Christmas romance. And this one has a super Grinchy hero. I love oh, that. Even better. Like, <laughs> yeah the heroine makes movies for makes television christmas movies and the hero oh is a total God. grinch yes, so it's we really need fun. it yeah we ordered now so <laughs> yeah. well before we get off of here where can everyone follow you online mm-hmm. can i just plug your blog is your website is gorgeous oh thank <laughs> so. you so much yeah i have a really amazing um website designer and she also does all my newsletters. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to brag because she does it, not me, but I have a great newsletter. It looks just like my website. <laughs> um, and she is great. Her name, her business is Clever Unicorn. I always recommend her to everyone because she mm-hmm. is awesome. And we just really vibe creatively. Like she knows when she sees something, this is Terry. So um, yeah, so thank you very much. Uh, so my website is terrywilson.net, T-E-R-I-W-I-L-S-O-N.net. Mm-hmm. And I'm on instagram as terry wilson author i'm on twitter as terry wilson author without the o in author because that was too many characters <laughs> and and i'm on um facebook as terry wilson author but if you go to terrywilson.net, it has you know buttons for all sure. of those things yeah okay. so you can find me anywhere awesome well all yeah. of your information will be listed down below listeners please go check out her website mm-hmm. keep up with her keep an eye out for once upon a royal summer once upon a royal summer um keep an eye out for the release in september we're getting a christmas release oh. you are a busy woman ma'am thank you for all of <laughs> yes. your hard work thank you. sure thank you i love it <laughs> <laughs> thank you for reading yes and sarah and i will chat with you all in our next episode have a lovely day 